Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s-inspired style and cutting-edge performance technology with its sleek mid-cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi-piece upper construction delivers high-energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at NewBalance.com. this week i am commentating i'm working i am working on good uh, that's it exactly i'm not bumming about so yeah sorry i'm i'm (laughs) I'm doing my shift i'm doing my shift i'm working on the elite (laughs) trophy uh in zhuhai that's what i'm doing lovely and remind everyone of who what the elite trophy is and and if people don't know and who qualified for it Yes, you have the WTA finals, which is for the top eight players, um, which they have in the men as well. But there's a bonus tournament on the women's side, which is the elite trophy. They don't have that on the ATP, but it is for the next bunch. So everybody who doesn't qualify for the top eight. So it's essentially, it's 12 players. So it's rankings 9 to 20, but actually it's 19 because there's a wild card. So it's 9 to 19 plus a wild card. But of course, we do have players injured at this period of the year, people not playing. Um, somebody like Zachary, for example, decided to not play and go to Cancun instead because she was the first alternate. Turned out to be a good decision. Mukova's just pulled out. Zachary is in. Um, anyway, you get basically, you get sort of a best of the rest situation. And I don't mean that in any sort of disrespectful way, but you have the top eight that have, you know, that's sort of such a big goal for players. Um, and then you, the the next bunch um, are competing in the Elite Trophy. And it's interesting because you have a lot of players in there that have been in that top eight. They've been in the tour finals and they're battling off in this. And then you've got others who are sort of on the way up, um, who are starting to really fly and pick up titles. Um, and then you have a couple others who just you know, they tend to just always be there or, or thereabouts. So it's it's a, it's quite a nice mixed bag, actually. Well, speaking about flying, because Carolyn Garcia is in the tournament you're doing, and she was yes. saying that she was really sad because she's not able to defend her finals title. So she's in kind of the second bunch. Yeah, so there's not as many points on the line, of course. It's similar-ish with a round robin, different round robin style. We've got four groups of three. Um, and... Uh, which I actually think works really well, to be honest. Four groups of three. The winner of each group goes through to the semi-finals, and off you go. Um, yeah, we've got that for the Billie Jean King Cup finals that I'm prepping for at the moment. Four yeah. groups, and it's just it's just easy. There's no what I hate, and I had this recently working on the Rugby World Cup to go off on a slight tangent. Is when it gets to the okay, so you've got a win by this, and then it comes to head to head, then it comes to points difference, and you're sitting there trying to figure out. Oh right, so they need to win by 88 points to have a chance of going through. This way, it's really easy win your group and you go to the semi-finals yeah uh, exactly so i mean winning the group oh, like you know, might get a little bit complicated it might come down to percentages of sets and games and that sort of thing but ultimately um yeah no so it's a it's a fun event we've had great winners over the years ash barty venus williams um you know sabalenka i think sabalenka won it maybe um and uh yeah so we haven't had it for a few years of course because nothing's been going on in, in china for a few years but um yeah it's back and as i say it's a really good event really fascinating matchups you have players somebody like a magda Lynette is in it but i mean she has 
very few tournaments where she collected a lot of points. She reached the semi-finals of the Australian Open. And then I believe, or yeah, I'm stretching in my memory here, so I'm very sorry if I get this wrong in my research. It was a final or possibly a title recently. Other than that, didn't win an awful lot of matches. But such big points on those two events, you can get yourself to the elite trophy. So... Um, you see, so it, so it's 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 interesting, and then you have somebody like a Krejcikova, who's the top seed here, who's just been so ridiculously consistent through the year, and has had lots of wins. Um, so yeah, it's good fun. We've got two Chinese players because you get a wild card for a Chinese player, which is Zhu Lin, who's come in. She's had a fantastic year, the year of her career so far, and um, and then we've got Zhang Qinwen, who's the Chinese number one, and she qualified anyway. Um, so yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's good fun, enjoying it. Magdalene, what makes me chuckle? And obviously there was that run at the start of the year in, in Australia, but there was a tournament she played in. And as part of the tournament, every tournament does fun things or different things. They they made caricatures. Do you remember this? Of the players. Of oh, the kind yeah. of, you know, a caricature makes things bigger or smaller. It, it's like you, but it's not like you. And I remember her reposting it saying this is not going to help me find a boyfriend <laughs> it, wasn't, <laughs> it wasn't it wasn't a terrible picture but it was a caricature so bits were bigger and out of proportion I just remember posting that she's she's got a really she's got a really good sense of humor I'm I'm looking forward to seeing her at the Billie Jean King Cup finals but it's uh, you're right it's a nice that that second bunch it's a really nice mixed bag and then you get to the top bunch and I mean boy is that a stellar cast list and really sad that Mukova oh I feel like I spent all through Roland Garros talking about her injuries and there was a time when she was told she may never play again because the injuries were so bad and so chronic and she came back and she got to the final Roland Garros and now is possibly her time and then she released that statement saying she's worked with a doctor and her team and the wrist she she just cannot compete and she has to withdraw and and that would have been her first time in the finals. Yeah it's just devastating for her isn't it really I mean look at least she's had the positivity of this year but you know injuries are no joke it's a big part of the job is to keep yourself fit and healthy and for some players it's a bit easier than it is for others um, who just seem to be that much more injury prone you get some players that just get you know have freak accidents um, you know whether it's falling or turning ankle or, or whatever it might be and others that just get the wear and tear so much and you know, the sport's really physical now. We were talking about it when we talked about the balls and, and surfaces. You know, it just is. The points are longer. The matches are longer. You know, everything is just that much tougher and that much more physical. But, um, yeah, it's, uh, yeah, just a real shame after the year that you've had. I mean, th- I mean, that's just the worst thing ever, isn't it? To qualify for the top eight for the first time and then not be able to play. I mean, that's because, you know, realistically, even if she's fit and healthy, I mean, that might not happen again. It's just that that's how it is. I I was going to tip her to win. So at this stage, Sabalenka, Sviontek, Goff, Rabakina, Pagula, Vondrusova, Jabur and Sakari. Who is your winner? Oh, my. Um, I feel like the, the tour finals is a bit rogue, you know, because yeah, it it's can the end be. of the year. Look, I mean, come on, Garcia, hey, biggest, uh, biggest title for her. So, um yeah. Oh, I don't know. I don't know. Wait, wait. So, wait. From the top. Sabalenka, Sviontek, Rybakina. Goff. 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 Pagula. Vondrusova. Jabur. I mean, and now Sakari. I mean, What about Sakari? What about Sakari? How about that? She, she's, she's 
got the title recently and things coming together and she thanked everyone and, and her coach. She, we stuck together. We got through this. What about that being the kind of fairy tale end to the year for Maria Sakkari? And she was an alternate and wasn't even due to play. Yeah, I mean, I could see it happening. I could see it happening. She just squeezed herself in. I mean, it looked like for the last few months that she wasn't going to make it, to be honest. But yeah. of course, that big win in Guadalajara, um, a thousand points, that does wonders for, <laughs> for yeah. your for your chances. Oh, I'm, look, I could see it. I could see any of them winning it. Really, I could. I mean... It's a rubbish you know, answer. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, honestly, I mean, but, but how do you know, right? I mean, we don't know what the courts are going to be like. I mean, I don't think the main court's even laid yet. So They've only got two practice courts. Two practice courts. was posting about this evening. Yeah, it Come has on, give, been give built me... from scratch quite quickly, which I know is only the fault <laughs> of the WTA, of course, because they were very late on their... They're you know settling the deal and announcing it, but uh, yeah, they had to. It's a pop up. It's a pop up venue, I think. Yeah, <laughs> that's what it is. And with a pop up venue, you get two practice courts. I know. Gosh, I mean, okay. So, go on. Just just give me a name, and it might be the best prediction we have ever made. Having not the best of reputations with our predict. It's weird, Sabalenka. I just think number one. I just oh, she's she looking so good, but Shviontek is oh golf. Oh yeah, you're right. Anyone could win it. Um. <laughs> that's it I mean I can give you a name Go but on. I just genuinely don't think that any of those stand out as you think that you know this this player's gonna win it I don't I don't know Rebakina why not yeah I love that why not and I'll go Von Drusova because it, it, it great yeah right okay neither of us sounded very confident <laughs> about those um and I should say the fact that we're doing this podcast people might have been worried because we haven't done one for a couple of weeks now that wasn't because someone offered you half a million to leave us and you left us which people might have thought um yeah i'm still waiting we (laughs) haven't been in the office um that one of the weeks was because i had a an an a&e an accident emergency dash with one of the twins luckily all well but he had a fall in football i think the first of Many having boys that like to do sports. We had 12 hours in A&E. They were amazing. He was amazing, as in he was very chilled out. But So that sort of put paid to that week. And then the Asian swing doesn't help us because I had a week I had a week doing Hong Kong. And so my alarm was going off at like five o'clock in the morning. I was like, where am I? And, and now you're in the Asian swing. So that, that hasn't helped either, has it? Well, no, that, yeah, it, it's, it's busy. It's just, it's a busy, yeah. busy time of year. But of course, you know, with, you know, one of your boys, that's definitely was, uh, was the focus for some time. But yeah, I mean, I was on Tokyo, which was starting, we yeah. were on air very early. It's very early. It's very far away, Tokyo. Very far away. Um, and uh, yeah, so that was a, a busy week. Really good fun, though. I, I enjoyed it a lot. I've, I've been very lucky, actually, with the tournaments I've been covering. Also did Beijing. That was a really strong tournament. I'm talking about the men's side of things. Did Beijing and Tokyo. And I've got plenty more cramming in. That's the thing. When you get to the post-US Open and it's the end of the season's approaching, it's sort of like the players just trying to play as much as it's possible. Just just uh, trying to get as much in because you know there's going to be a bit of a break afterwards. But yes, it's busy. It's busy. It's busy for you as well. Yeah, I, um, I'm coming to the end of the Rugby World Cup, as is everyone, <laughs> because it is the final this weekend. It's gone on for a long time, it, isn't it? Two I months. I know this is always the deal. Two months. But I, I do always find myself halfway through it going, 
Still in the groups. <laughs> still in the groups. Still going. Okay. Still trying to figure out who's going to go through and qualify. I've had a lot of mixed emotions in my household, which is a mixture of French and English, our household. So we've had a yeah. lot of emotional moments in the house. We did actually have tickets for the final, but we are selling them because we... Because there's no England and no France? There's no England and no France. And we promised the boys, if England or France get in there, I would try and get that day off work. I I wasn't looking forward to that conversation, but I was going to have it and we were going to go. But then obviously we're not going. So there's so the rugby sort of that's been a sort of focus um, and half term. Oh, half term for. Yes. So that's sort of children ferrying them everywhere, clubs and playdates and picking them up and all sorts of. And I've been playing some paddle. There's a, a new paddle hub that's open near me. So and every time I go on the court and I'm playing, and if it's someone I haven't played before, they go, oh, you play tennis. I'm like, oh, yeah. Because <laughs> I'm taking these massive swings, you know, I'm pulling the racket back, and they're like, oh, another of those people from the world of tennis. I'm like, hi. <laughs> um, and I'm also, when the ball is hitting back to the wall, I'm running back as you run back in tennis, and then Padley got to run forward. So, yeah, so I've been, I've been doing a bit, which is really nice, because basically I've been based at home for a few weeks, which has been nice. I've got a bit of travel coming up with Billie Jean King Cup finals and some paddle, but that's actually been quite nice. But we were saying, was it yesterday we were saying that tennis is, it's just insane. The stories, I was i was actually making some notes the first time of what to chat about because we haven't spoken for a while on the pod. And I, I'm almost just going to throw out things and you can just give answers and we can move on or we can dig into it. So um, quick fire. this is going to be a quick fire pod. Okay, Jensen... Brooksby reaction banned yep. for 18 months for whereabouts issues. Mm, I'm pausing. <laughs> it's, it's like the tumble. Pausing. Moment. <laughs> I'm trying to work out how to say this. I mean, look, they have to dish out harsh punishments. We've talked about this before because he's not the only player. Michael Ema is also suspended for 18 months for missing three tests. And, there just there has to be a significant consequence for missing three tests. You already have three chances. This is three tests within a twelve month period that you have not shown up for, or that you failed to give a sample for, or whatever it is. Um, and it is an X. And just like I was saying with Michael Ema, when you're down to your last strike, it has got to be in the forefront of your mind all day, every day. This is what you do. This is your job. People put their hours because you have to give one hour every day where you can come and be tested. It's not every single hour of the day. You do need to tell them your general whereabouts. So the way you fill it in is it's called whereabouts. But the way you fill it in is you say, this is my rough plan of the day, as in this is where I'm planning to be. But yeah. you have to give them one hour slot where they can come and test you. They won't come and test you outside of that hour. Um, and most people do that at five o'clock or six o'clock in the morning because they know they're going to be in bed. Um, I did it at five o'clock because I did think there's a little bit of a chance at half six I might all of a sudden decide to go for a run or something and then I'm not in bed. But as I say, you get your three chances. And it's not like they are tested a hundred times in a year. You know, you, you, you know, you could only be tested five times. So it's not like, um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, you, you have your three chances and if you've got two strikes and you're on your last strike, you just need to be so incredibly vigilant. I don't know the ins and outs of Brooksby's case at all. Um, he seemed to be pretty 
certain that he was going to be able to overturn and he was going to be able to appeal it um, and that it was going to get sorted out. That has not happened. They've handed him the 18-month sentence. I'm sure, I, I think he can appeal again. But um, yeah, I mean, there has. To, I know it seems harsh because it's not like he's failed a drugs test, but if you allow it to go on, then it's just going to be chaos in terms of the sloppiness from players. I mean, how do you expect an anti-doping association to keep on top of players if they can miss four or five tests or if they miss three they only get a few months suspension because you know whatever it's like having a bit of tendonitis in your wrist um you know it has to be meaningful people have to take it seriously and you know two young guys you know fairly new into their careers um have obviously not been given great advice have not taken it as seriously as they needed to um as as far as i'm concerned i mean look at all of the athletes you know, you know if you look at you know you know, all of the athletes that we have, you know, the top hundred on the men's and women's, a lot of them have been going for years and years and years and years and never got themselves in this situation. It's, this is not a common frequent situation. It is, it comes from, I'm afraid to say it comes from, from sloppiness really. And, and as I say, once you get to that last strike, it should just be on your mind every second of every day. I'd be, you have an app on your phone. I'd be checking it all the time. I'd be emailing. I'd be phoning. I'd be trying to leave as much of a, of a paper drill as possible for any sort of defence. Do you have any sympathy for him? Because I think he accepted two of them that he messed up. But I think it was the middle one. He said it was about a hotel booking and they'd only given him one room. The room was under the name of his physio. I think his physio went out. He was staying in the room. The hotel were meant to change the name of the room to his name. When the drugs testing people came, they asked for him. His name wasn't on the register. So then they left, but he was there. And he's saying it's the hotel's fault for not changing the room over to his name, despite him asking them to. Do you have any sympathy for him if that was the case or is it up to him to literally go down there and ask again and again and just 100% double check that they've changed the name on the room? The, this is why there are three chances because sometimes these mistakes can happen and there are some circumstances where it can go wrong. However, he had two other chances as in, you know, those three chances are for mistakes, not for sloppiness, you know, and that one, yes, yeah, that's a mistake. Yeah. But the other two, if he's just admitting like, oh yeah, I wasn't there or whatever, then, you know, for something like that to happen, it's understandable. We had a similar situation with Michael Emer. But for that to happen three times within 12 months that you have the wrong name on a booking and a this and a that or you change hotels at the last second, I just think it's quite unlikely. And that's the point of having the three three strikes. That's It's three strikes and you're out. It's a sort of a tried and tested method. Um, and I do have sympathy that... You know, he feels aggrieved on, on one of them and so does um, Ema on one of his, but it's only one of them. You know, the other, what about the other two? Like, as I say, this is the point. That's the buffer that you have. Um, and it is part of your job. Ultimately, you need to be able to pass these tests to be able to compete and earn money. And, uh, and that's it. It's a, it's a very strong rule. And hasn't Ema now quit? Because he's not as young as some people may think. Didn't he write a post that said, I'm just going to step away from tennis because of the ban? It's going to be too difficult to come back. Yep, he did. And I think, yeah, that sort of makes sense. It's 18 months. You know, are you just going to keep training for 18 months before coming back? Or, you know, he? to be honest, he's probably feeling, uh, you know, he he's not happy about the situation at all and thinks he's been unfairly treated. Um and he's probably just a bit done with it all, done with the sport. And I'm sure he's incredibly frustrated. Um, so I can totally understand him 
him making that sort of decision and you know and maybe even just mentally wanting to take it out of your mind and maybe he'll come back one day maybe he will when the band is up but just to mentally be like right you know come on I'm 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 done and let's just focus on other things otherwise it's just probably going to torture you for a while because look make no bones about it for both of them this is a rubbish situation and and this is awful their career has been taken away from them for a lengthy period of time there's a massive interruption to it um at a time where they were both at the peaks of their careers so far with further peaks around the corner um and and it's brutal and it's not like they failed a drugs test you know they haven't done anything wrong they just haven't followed the rules that were set out they just haven't organized themselves well and and possibly been as professional as they needed to and sure you can point to Novak Djokovic and say well he's never got himself into this situation but he's got an army of people around him um to do a lot of that it is tougher for the lower ranks of course it is but you know I do look to the people that are around them and how this message needs to be hammered in to players when they're young. It needs to be taken unbelievably seriously. There are plenty of examples that you can point to. And uh, I guess that just didn't happen. Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s inspired style and cutting edge performance technology with its sleek mid-cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi-piece upper construction delivers high energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at newbalance.com. Someone else who's been seen practicing is Simona Halep. It could be four years of practicing, but then she has appealed her ban. Someone else who just, I'm talking about people who are kind of stepping away from tennis for different reasons and forced to not. Garbinia Muguruza, since we last chatted, is taking an indefinite break. Now, I find, don't you find this, and we saw this a little bit through COVID, there were players, including Rafa Nadal, who sort of said they realised there was a life outside tennis and there were things, they weren't just a tennis player and they could have a normal life. And Muguruza has already achieved so much, Grand Slam titles, being number one in the world. She has recently got engaged. I've been kind of looking and seeing what she's doing on Instagram and she sort of found a joy outside of tennis and that's quite nice to see because some players you find they play on and on and on they're not sure what they're going to do next and is there a life when they stop and I quite like seeing her enjoying herself not that she'll never come back but she has said it's an indefinite break I quite like to see that she's having a life and and she's happy away from tennis it's great to see but let me ask this question to you so she's definitely you can see that she's found a joy outside of tennis do you think she ever found a joy in tennis that's a good question. I don't know. I think I'd like I'd like to ask her that, but I think she's quite Muguruza's quite sort of programmed. You know, when you, when you ask her things, she gives you the, the sort of the right answers. And I think she'd say, "Well, you know, I was number one in the world." And I mean, I thought she was going to be number one forever. I thought she she was <laughs> that kind of player. I, I really did. I thought when she got number one, I was like, she's going to hold that for years, and she didn't. And she would probably she'd probably say yes because she won Grand Slam times. But look, she had some tough times. Remember she when she was with Sam Sumi at the coaching situation there. There was a lot of talk that that wasn't the nicest of uh, of situations. That there were highs and lows. And I, I don't know. We, we saw this with Naomi Osaka, didn't we? This amazing talent, but she had so much. And she enjoyed so much away from the court. And we know that she's due to come back um, in Australia. And she's since become a mum and she's happy. And and I, and I I still don't know whether Naomi Osaka's 
ever really found that joy on a tennis court because I'm not yeah. sure I've ever, uh, you know, she's a phenomenal athlete and tennis player, but I'm, do I believe that she's ever been truly happy on a tennis court? I'm not sure. Yeah, it's a, an interesting one, isn't it? I mean, of course, Margarita, yeah. what, she won two slams, she won the tour finals, you know, lots of, lots of massive, as you say, world number one, yeah. lots of massive achievements. But yeah. Um, yeah, I always felt like she was a little bit tortured, you know, a bit of a tortured soul out yeah. on tour. I mean, look, this is just from my perspective. I don't know her. I don't know anything inside the team. We, you know, we no, see what yeah. we see. We saw a lot of interactions when it came to on-court coaching. Um, you know, there were some difficult times for her. It was quite uncomfortable to watch, I think, a lot of the time. Um, yeah. And, yeah, I, I don't know, really. I sort of think good for her. I, I don't I don't know whether it's likely we'll see her back or or not. I mean, she, she doesn't want to put call time on it, which she could do. You could easily say, oh, I'm retiring and then come back. Just look, we just got Caroline Wozniacki. <laughs> it's fine. You know, yeah. one really minds. Everyone would be delighted if Magarutha said, oh, actually, I'm back, guys. Um, but she wants to leave it open-ended, so you know, good for her, you know, maybe there is a, a chance that she comes back. But I just hope that she comes back because, you know, that is what is driving her and what she really wants to do. Um, because she's clearly found her identity outside of tennis. That's one of the really hard yeah. things. I think that's why we see a lot of players clinging on because they just don't know who they are without without tennis. I can tell you I played a doubles match the other day <laughs> and I was so bad. And I came home, it was so bad, <laughs> I felt awful for my partner. I mean, really, it was it was shocking. <laughs> and uh, I came home and I had a proper identity crisis. I was like, I don't I don't know who I am if I if I'm not good at tennis. I don't I don't understand. <laughs> I've, I've never not been good at tennis. <laughs> yeah, but you still but, but to your standards, you didn't think you, you were probably still very good. Well, out yeah, there. but there's a but to your certain, standards. Well, I felt like it was not it was not. um it doesn't, if you were to turn up and watch that tennis that I produced, it would not make sense to you or compute yeah. that at any time in my life I had been a professional tennis player. It would not make sense. <laughs> Whereas other times I've played badly and lost or not been brilliant or whatever, but there's still an element of quality about it, which is just <laughs> absolutely done. Um, no, no, I can get it back. I just obviously haven't played much. I had a baby this year, you know, I'm, and it was only, it was a moment, momentary identity crisis. It's, yep. This is not forever. People keep yep. saying to me like, you'll get it back. I'm like, oh no, no, I got over it. It was just <laughs> for five minutes. I was very much like, I, d I just, I I've never not been good at tennis. What does this mean? <laughs> and Ben was like, I'm going to sleep. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, you deal with it. You're going to be all right. See you in the morning. We we need to play paddle together. We're going to, we have some fun on a paddle court. Um, I think I'm a bit scared of going up to the net there and you'd probably hit me. But I think... I think No. Oh, it'd be good. I'd have no expectations with paddle. I think I think we'd laugh a lot. I think that would be a lot of fun. So I'll, I'll try and get that sorted for us. Um, a coaching change or addition or something new. Um, Holger Runa and Boris Becker... Did you see that coming? And do you see it as a good match? No, to be honest, I think any mention of Boris Becker you don't see coming at the moment because he's been quite out <laughs> since uh, since the publicised situation, which he ended up in prison for. Um, it, Yeah, you just don't... He's not sort of part of the day-to-day, -day, right? We're not getting commentary yeah. from mm -hmm. him. We're not getting punditry. We're not getting his opinions. So he's sort of faded... Uh, in, into the background somewhat and then uh, uh, bang he appears as he's now coaching a, a top 10 tennis player 
um, and he's going to be very much there. Also, we've got um, off-court coaching as well, or courtside coaching. I don't know what court courtside coaching makes more sense. Courtside coaching. Yeah. So we're going to be hearing from him, hearing what he's got to say with Holger. And um, yes, so it was a surprise. Um, I love it as a matchup. I think it's fantastic. I think it's great. Uh, absolutely genius. Yeah. Um, I think he's had input from Becca before. I believe. Um, but uh, yeah, no, this is uh, this is it. Can't wait. I mean. We we know, as I say, it came out on social media when it was announced. You know, of course, Boris he won't be able to come to the UK for for Wimbledon next year, um, but he would be the year after. So it's just it, yeah, it's, it's one event yeah. he can't come to ultimately. So if you're Holger, you're like, okay, no worries, it's cool. <laughs> we can deal with that. Um, someone who's been speaking recently spoke to our colleague Carthy Seagram, Emma Raducanu, back in training, and, and the headline I think it was always going to be the headline was about coaches when she was asked about the turnaround in the coaches. And then that's a question she's got to expect. And, you, and as a journalist, you have to ask because there has been a lot. And, uh, and, and she said, she said it's, she puts it down to her questioning of the coaches, which I was looking at social media. I know we shouldn't look at social media. And, and some people react to that by saying, well, that's very arrogant of her, thinking that she could put these questions and they don't have the answers. And other people saying, fair play. She's employing these people, so she has a right to question them. And then if they don't give her satisfactory answers, it's on to the next one. What, what did you make of it? I'm interested. Um, Which I, one I, would you come down on uh, I, those two opinions? I think when I read it, I felt it was more, it felt a bit arrogant when I just read it. So then I watched it. Because sometimes it's how someone says something and it's how their facial expression, how they're holding themselves and 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 how they're speaking. But when I first read it, I was like, no, I think I went, oh, that's that's a statement. Wow. (laughs) Um, But then I listened to it and maybe there's still a little bit of that in me. But then she's in charge. She's paying the wages. She ultimately knows what she wants. And yes, there can be others saying, we know what she needs, but you know yourself better than... It's like it's like when I went round... This is a bit random as well. When I went round looking at primary schools, right? And I wanted the twins to stay in the same class. And I went to this school and I said, what's your twin policy? And they said, we separate them. And I said, why do you do that? And they said, because we know your children better than you do. <laughs> I thought, hang on a second, you've never met them. So I guess it's a little bit of the case of she knows what she wants we can all look from the outside and have an opinion but she knows what she wants she knows what she needs and she's paying the bills so I I can see why people thought it came across as a little bit arrogant but then I can also see the other side and that she has every right and, and isn't it quite nice that someone is questioning rather than just accepting but do you know what you want at 20 do you know like that's the thing isn't it she's 20 years old and I think it's very difficult to be CEO of Emma Raducanu business and um, to be managing these people these professionals that have been in it a long time they're very experienced they're not necessarily the right coach you to be working with but you're making these Mm. decisions she's learning as she goes I I think that's just such a a fascinating part it's like talking about um, Brooksby and Ema with uh, their bands we were talking about earlier you know I'm pointing the finger at people around them saying 
how was this not drilled into them when they were on their last strike that they cannot mess around with this stuff like it has to be it's more important than training than practice it's more important than turning up for your match on time like as in it is more important than anything else that is what I mean by understanding the seriousness of it and they didn't do it and it's yeah it's it's a it's a fascinating one because yes she's the boss and I mean how tough is that for somebody who is going to be some you know, very experienced in the top point whatever percent of their job of being a tennis coach in the world. Uh, your boss is a 21-year-old who, you know, I think it's tough to know what you want at that age. I mean, she's what, she's turning 21 soon, so she's currently 20. But, you know, I think it's really tough to know what you want at that age. I thought I knew what I wanted. I, I, I'd change a lot now. But she's she's not an ordinary 21-year-old. and And you feel when it comes down to... It's tough, isn't it? What she needs a tennis player because there'll be those that saying, but sometimes you're too close to it and you need someone removed. But if she's saying she's questioning them about things and she's not happy with the answers, then I guess that makes sense. If you don't like what's coming back from the other side of the table, then. But then, if is it a bit patronising saying she can't know what she wants at her age on the other no, side? No, no. Well, I mean, look. With what she said, I mean, I I know Emma. I've been on the receiving end of these questions. I know how intense it is. It is. Um, it's something I've always. How are said. your answers? <laughs> uh, not necessarily up to scratch all the time, but it is. It is yeah. about drilling into the detail. You, you can't make a statement and get away with it. You cannot say, "Let's pick something generic." You know, uh, you know. Say I'm your coach, and I say, well, "You need to be fitter." Honestly, ninety-eight percent of <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's just a, it's just a comment. But ninety-eight percent of players will just go, "Yeah, okay," and then off they go, you know. And then yep. there's, you know, and then some people will ask a question and say, oh, "Okay, what areas? Which specific?" I mean, fitness is quite a general thing. That's my entire physical being. Is that injuries? Yep. Is that speed? Is it power? Is it endurance? Is it is it a particular shot? You know, what is it? Right. Um, And then, you know, so some people go into that sort of layer and want it to be more specific, but then they'll accept that. They'll see the plan and they'll say, "Okay, fine, off we go. You know, Emma, like she was saying in that she wants to understand the thinking behind every single decision. And sometimes as a coach, you're just like, we just don't have time to go through all of it. As in you're paying me to make the decisions, filter everything out and then deliver the information to you. But she just really wants to understand. And like she was saying, you know, I, I can't just be told what to do and I'll do it. And I actually read her comments as being a bit self-critical. I felt like she was saying, you know, look, I'm holding my hands up. Like I was giving them a hard time here. You know, I was I was not the easiest because I was quizzing them on all, the, all this stuff and they couldn't quite keep up. And then you get to the point where you stop believing in it because you're not getting the answers that you want. But, you know, maybe she's realising that she doesn't necessarily need to be that way, um, you know, about every every little detail because you know, it, that is that is tough to work with because you need, I suppose, in any walk of life, if you're paid to do a job, you need an element of trust that you are going to be doing the background work and, you know, coming to her with options. It's like, for example, um, video analysis of your opponent. The coach is going to spend hours doing that every night. They're up until one o'clock in the morning looking at videos because you only find out your opponent, right, the day before or whatever it is. They're up late at night doing all this video. They'll They'll create a video, they'll cut it down to probably, you know, five minutes or so of important points that they've picked out of the opponents that you that they want you to do or whatever it is. Um, and they'll have this sort of little 
thing to, to deliver. And it's Im- important to make it punchy because they're preparing for their match possibly that day or whatever it is, um, you know, so that they, they're clear in their mind. And if you start getting into the whys and the hows and the whos and it, it it can become a little bit messy. You get a bit lost, really. And, and tennis is often overcomplicated. And I think Emma probably does suffer from that a little bit because she is incredibly bright. Um, she is so good at understanding a huge amount of information. She doesn't need things simplified that much. But I think definitely a bit because otherwise it's just too overwhelming. You might as well just do it yourself. Do the video analysis yourself then. <laughs> Spend three hours It's funny. I, I didn't take it as her being self-critical I think because of that point you just made because she is so intelligent she is so bright she she would know what she was asking what she wanted from it so but I guess it could all that's where there are so many different ways to interpret it which is why I just looked at social media to see how people were reading it and that was obviously one of the headlines that came out because it's one of the things we always talk about is the coaches and the coaching turnaround and will she ever settle with a coach will she not will this continue uh you know people are saying this is the reason she hasn't had consistency she hasn't had a coach ah you know that's it seems to be the headline alongside how much does she want it is she prepared to fight for it and I thought what was nice in the interview she talked about you know she she's looking forward to coming back she's looking forward to she knows the rankings dropped to to working to get the ranking back up because that could be what people question is the fight still there you know when you've when you've achieved what most people dream of achieving in the sport she's a grand slam champion she has all the money and all the everything in the world you know do you still have that drive and that fight and that heart and maybe we have to wait to see that on the court but I think from what she said there she's she's talking a good talk in terms of Really excited, looking forward to doing what it takes to get back. Yeah, and I think I'm, I'm sure I'm sure she is right. I think she's probably desperate at this point. It's been been quite some months um, since she's been been on the court, and you know I know that she's been hitting with sort of sponge balls and trying to build up her strength because she had wrist surgeries um, as well as an ankle surgery. So, um, yeah, there's still quite a, a long way to go. I know she said that she'd be 100% ready for the beginning of the season, but um, you, know, that you can have any sort of setback and uh, that could really throw that off. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm sure that's what she's determined and focused to do, but there is a small chance that, that that might not happen. Just the nature of these recoveries, we see a lot of players get set back and are out far longer than they they thought they would be. Um, but yeah, no, I, yeah, feels like she's in a good place. She's gearing up, ready to go. I think everything's very different. Things have settled down. She's going to have very low expectations of herself. Other people are going to have fairly low expectations. Um, and then we'll we'll see how we go. The scheduling is going to be unbelievably important and I cannot stress that enough we have seen many players get it so so wrong just because she essentially I say walked I I I witnessed a lot of the effort that Emma put in in her younger stages of her career the the level of effort sacrifice dedication is off the scale of course it is but in terms of her professional life ultimately walked her way to a Grand Slam title it is, it's just, it won't happen like that again. You know, we've seen that with players and uh, unfortunately the injury forces you to reset, start again and you have to be a bit humbled by it and you've got to put the work in, um, you know, and that's why, to be honest, I mean, I'm changing subjects a bit, but I've been so impressed with Alexander Zverev this year with how he's been able to do that because he saw, he walked to the top 10 really. He was a phenomenal talent as a teenager and then just stayed there pretty effortlessly 
to be honest. Even if he had a pretty off year, it was it was pretty good. Um, and, uh, you know, the fact that he has had to start again, he fell out of seeded position, so he had tough draws that he had to deal with. And he's now back to playing top five tennis. He's not quite back at top five in the rankings, but that's the level he's producing. Um, it, it took him some months it took him some time and and just changed the perspective so it's going to be similar for for emma as well um just you know fingers crossed the body can hold up that she can play week after week and try and get some momentum going but that schedule has to be so crucial you know that it might be right that she plays smaller tournaments to get back-to-back match wins to really strengthen up the body whatever it is that's what I mean about being humble is you've got to make those decisions because it's the right thing for you and your tennis, not because, you know, oh, I'm a Grand Slam champion. I have to be playing in the biggest tournaments. Might not be appropriate. Question as a coach, two eight-year-olds that I've been taking to play tennis on a local court that's free, which is amazing, um, near us because they just want to hit. Um, all they want to do is serve. I'm like, can we work on the basics before we go to the serve? All they want to do is serve. Give me some advice on what to tell them about how to get going with the serve because they just chuck it and hit it as hard as they can and it lands far, far away from the court. Ball toss. It's all in the ball toss. You got, that's what you've got to practice. It's the most difficult bit of a serve. But all they want to do is hit it. As soon as they toss it, they hit it. If I just said practice the ball toss, they'd look at me and go, Mummy, I just want to hit it. <laughs> <laughs> it's my problem. As soon as they toss it, they hit it. Like They will not just toss the ball up. They need to still practice the ball toss, I'm afraid. (laughs) That's just how it is. Um, I mean, simplify the motion. You want to start with the racket just behind your head um, in that sort of prepped position. Don't start with any other faff. I know it's fun, but that can come later. You know, you just got to say, right, you've got to get your ball toss and your contact point right, and then you can create the most unique serve you could possibly think of. You can do whatever you want. You can do a cartwheel before you start. I don't mind. Um, but the ball toss, it's just, it's really hard. It's one of the hardest bits of tennis. You're using your non-dominant hand. You need to, you know, you've got your other hand with a racket swinging in a different direction. You're rocking backwards and forwards. Some people are moving a foot in and out. You know, there's, there's all sorts going on and, and it's just really hard to throw the ball up straight. (laughs) It's really hard. And, and Sophia Kenin doesn't look when she tosses the ball up. Yeah. She's nuts. I'd fall over. That's weird. I'd. I just find, I just, every time I look at that, I think, oh, that's just weird. Um, I have my player to watch for 2024. Oh, already? Okay, that's interesting. But early, isn't it? Yeah. Um, I I find him exciting, fun. Um, do you have any idea who I, it could be? No. Before I say. Exciting, fun, young. He's got a bit of attitude. Artur Fis. Yes think he's great he is great i think he's he's got energy he's got the game he's got the attitude he'll interact with the crowd he doesn't mind getting a little bit spiky with his opponents i think the other day he handed one of his um wristbands over because i think one of his serves hit one of the ball girls at the back of the court i just i just like everything about him yeah i mean he's great isn't he He's great. He plays yeah. in a really. He's got a good vibe about him as well with the way that he plays. Obviously, hugely talented. So, yeah. No, watch his space. It's tough to know what his ceiling is. I mean, you sort of imagine he can achieve whatever he wants, mm. really. Yeah, yeah. I know. I've gone early. I've gone early with that. Uh, a quick one. 
Tommy Paul, this was a few weeks ago now, said tennis is probably the 20th most popular sport in the US. Nobody cares. All our best athletes play other sports. Can you name 19 American sports that would be above tennis? Because I can't. No, he's I mean, being pretty harsh. Ones. It's definitely in the top 10, isn't it? Well, can you, what are the other nine then? Oh, basketball, baseball, NFL, f- uh, American football. Are you putting hockey. Major League Soccer? Hockey, is, is, soccer, uh, ice hockey. Soccer's now above tennis, you'd say, even though soccer's only really I in the know. last what, three or four years. Boxing, golf. And even then. Boxing, golf. That, I mean, I need another, track, need track and field. Athletics might be up, oh, wow. might be quite up there. I mean, yeah, tennis is probably a little further down the list in the states than it is in in the UK. Um, you know, it's just different culture to culture. But look, we've got the same um, a similar issue in the UK. I mean, we lose most of our best athletes to other sports because you know all sporty kids play football, then they play rugby, and then mm. a certain group will play cricket, uh, and then mm. tennis sort of will come in. Um, but you know, a lot of players, a lot of athletes get sucked into those sports already, and they don't get that sort of chance. And it's understandable because those chance, those sports are obviously very big. It's less understandable on the women's side. It's actually outrageous on the women's side that our athletes get sucked out by bigger sports in the UK because tennis is the biggest sport in the world, and how it's not the biggest sport in the UK just doesn't make any sense. Um, people just haven't quite cottoned onto it. But um, you know, like netball. Netball and hockey are the two biggest sports for women in this country. And yeah, we do. We lose we lose a lot of athletes. They don't even make it to tennis. They don't even get to play with a, a proper coach or anything. They don't try because they're, they're, they're uh, already too good and too involved with other sports. Finally, it's my least favourite time of the year. It's Halloween. This year Halloween. I have... Halloween. Oh, sugar. This year I have a zombie and I have a zombie and a thing called a rider where you looks like he's riding a dinosaur but the legs on the dinosaur are the inflatable bits and his legs are in the feet you know what i'm talking oh, about oh i do those... enjoy those though they're good well fun. so that's that's what i've got and wonderfully some friends of ours have said hey we're doing a halloween party i'm like brilliant <laughs> excellent right off we go um are you dressing up yours as pumpkins or they're, they're at the age when they could still be pumpkins We've got, um, I mean, I probably should have just gone for a pumpkin for the baby. Yeah, easy, easy. It would have been, would have been easy and cute. Uh, she will be a cat. What? A black cat. A black what? cat. But what, what is she wearing? <laughs> like a, it's just a like little, a... well, she's just got like a, a got... black onesie with some sort of paw uh, prints on it. And then and just then the little cat facey thing. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Right, so okay, she'll be a black right. cat. Uh, he will be a spider. Spider. So, why are these so controversial? Black cat, what? spider. You can This is these are the basic legs. Halloween. Just go for pumpkins. Yeah. I don't think of. I should think of a spider as a Halloween costume, but I've never thought of that. I've just thought. Well, I wanted to do something different. And zombies and skeletons. Well, look, one of mine's riding a dinosaur. So I've gone. <laughs> uh, you know what? Yeah, but yours I, are I, older. We went through Amazon and I was like, pick your outfit. And obviously there was a price band. So they picked one and it was like 64 pounds. I'm like, no, 
absolutely not. So when 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 my youngest looked at this zombie thing and it was it was a good price, good price, like fourteen pounds. I was like, yep, okay, brilliant. I think that'll look fabulous on you. So and then we got the inflatable dinosaur stepping in it thing. Oh, I just don't like Halloween. I just don't like it. I just look. I've never watched a scary film in my life. I faint when I see blood. Halloween is not my type of year. Halloween. No one really likes Halloween in the UK, though. That's the thing. Is you know, for our American listeners, I, I get that it's a big holiday out in the states. It never really has been. It wasn't a thing really when I was a kid. It was vaguely no. a thing in the background, but it's not like yeah. we went to Halloween parties. The school no. didn't really do anything for it. Like we didn't no. have any decorations up. It, as I say, it was very much an American thing. And um, we did bonfire night and fireworks yeah. night. Love that. So you Love go that. to a big yeah. old bonfire, which is great yeah. fun, and you watch some fireworks. So we we do that. Um, yeah. But yeah, no, I, do you know what I mean? I just don't think anyone our age, it's, it's starting to come in more and more now in the UK for kids, but our, our age group's a bit like, oh, didn't really think it was that much of a thing. Yeah, I'm just, and, and for the kids, it's all about the sweets. They just want the sweets. It's, it's just a night sugar. of just eating copious amounts of sweets. So um, that is what, Tuesday? Am I right? Is that Tuesday? I think so. And I was due to be working and I thought I've got out of it. I was due to be working. I was like, oh, real shame. I can't come with you to the Halloween party. I'm working. Now I'm not working because it was a tournament, um, paddle tournament taking place in Egypt, which for reasons has been, as we know, have been cancelled. So now I'm like, oh, I'm free for the Halloween party. Oh, so I will re- next week. I'll rep- I don't think I'm going to dress up. I can't. Um, but I'll report back on the Halloween festivities. And you guys send me pictures of the it zombie be- and rider. It will be over. Yes, no, I will do. Well, once they're in, they're very excited. And it's nice that they're so excited. But I, once they're dressed up, I'll send you some photos. And I need, to see, I need to see the spider and the cat. <laughs> I'll send you a photo. Oh, lovely. All right, then. I'll speak to you soon. Happy Halloween. Bye. You too. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>